0: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC Terms and Conditions Supply.
1: Hello, I'm Scott Sashner. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is The Sportacast.
0: mister Novi Novy-Williams, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. Um, uh, better than, I guess, should we say, better than Oliver Luck? I guess nothing bad right now. But, you know, WWE founder, Vince McMahon, uh, filed a countersuit. Uh, I guess we should go back a little bit. Oliver Luck was the commissioner of the XFL, which at the time was owned by Vince McMahon. Uh, I, I, I guess he was fired, right? He, he was fired from the position uh, we know then he's since sold the, the XFL. Long story short, Vince said he doesn't have to pay Oliver the twenty eight, uh, $23.8 million he owes him. Um, Oliver filed suit against Vince, and now we have a countersuit. In essence, the juicy part of this is that Vince McMahon alleges that Oliver Luck was sharing private information with his brother-in-law, who at the time headed the football division at Wasserman Media Group. So he's saying because of all this, he violated his contract. I don't have to pay him $23.8 million. Yeah,
1: and this is just the the latest reason that the XFL or, or that Vince McMahon has given in terms of of, of reasons why Oliver broke the, the contents of his deal. And that's really what's at stake here. You mentioned that $23.8 He was not paid that money. He says he's owed that. And this is... Just one of the reasons the XFL and McMahon say that he was violating his contract. Some other things they've claimed that he essentially went in, in, uh, out of communication in the early parts of, of the pandemic. There's been a fight over his iPhone, which uh, Vince McMahon alleges Oliver used both for work and for non-work purposes. And Oliver doesn't want the contents of that revealed because he says some of that is client attorney privilege. Uh, this, is a, this is a mess over what is really, Scott, not a lot of money when you consider what Vince McMahon is worth in some ways, right?
0: I was actually surprised that Oliver got this much when he took the job. Remember, I believe we, we looked at each other and said, wow, that's a lot of money for the commissioner of the XFL. Um, but earlier this month, let's not forget, because like you said, this has been sort of a ping pong match. A judge said that Luck could have documents, including emails from McMahon about Oliver Luck's job performance, uh, the role in, in the decision-making Um, of of whether the pandemic played a role in letting them go. Were they trying to save money by letting them go? So, yeah, I mean, this has gotten into a a back and forth where one seems to be trying to one up the other and and just sort of, I guess, gain the upper hand on on reasoning for why one should pay or why they should not have to be paid. But uh, I'm surprised that we've gotten this far. I, I thought they would have settled by now.
1: It's wild to me by the way that the uh, 12 months ago, a year ago, the XFL's reboot was happening. That feels like it was it was 5 years ago. At and going point, pretty
0: well by the way, right?
1: It, it was going pretty well. It's so hard to tell and and that actually transitions well to the question I wanted to ask you. The XFL assets since been sold to Red Bull Red Redbird Capital and and a group uh, that contains The Rock. They're planning Danny to Garcia. reboot this. Yep. It's, it's unclear exactly when that may happen. I'm sure the pandemic has changed expectations, but... Do 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 legal fights like this? Kind of legacy stories about dysfunction within XFL 2.0. Do they affect XFL 3.0? Do you think?
0: Oh, you're really gonna make me page Mike McCann on air right now? Like, you know, can <laughs> can we dial in Mike? Pretty soon, by the way, Mike's gonna have his own show. Uh, you know, this the Sporticast is the centerpiece of the Sportico podcast network. What it will be, Mike will have his own sports law show. So I know people are gonna love that because then they don't have to hear us speculate. Um, but we will we will be hearing from McCann. I, I would say no, because those liabilities did not transfer to The Rock, Danny Garcia, and Redbird. You know, they, they, they are, they, this is a different from them. Uh, they are focusing right now. I'm looking ahead at the XFL and a little pivot as to what the XFL could become again. We have the NFL uh, in rights fee negotiations, and we already know they're going to get a boatload of money. We have the NHL having rights fee negotiations. And I think we know for the NHL, uh, 200 mil per, I think, right now, that or they're going to get a boatload of money or much more than they're getting right now. Where does the XFL fit in? What role will Dwayne Johnson play? Does he take a, a reality show to the network in conjunction with the Football League to help it? How much will he flex, no pun intended, um, a, and leverage what he can bring besides the Football League, but you know, besides his personality? Because his shows like the Titan Games or whatever it is on NBC did well. So I'm just wondering, what is the future as a broadcast property? And you know that they will be uh, innovative, cutting edge. I'm foreseeing mics on players, hard on social, exactly what we think new leagues, digital first leagues ought to be. But they want all that in conjunction with a linear TV contract, which is going to pay real money. That's sort of the, the foundation of the business plan. So your thoughts on not, forget what the XFL was and how it was doing under the new ownership group, With Danny Garcia, Big Wig in Hollywood, uh, and The Rock, and Jerry Cardinal, what will it be? What could it be?
1: Yeah, I think you leverage his stardom as much as as humanly possible, right? As much as he's willing to do, I think you want to... Like, if he's willing to to play quarterback, you'll
0: take it. (laughs)
1: If he wants to be in the booth for games, I think that's a dream come true, right? I, I think, yes, it's it's it's, you know, it's it, it sounds simple. But I think as much as the rock, he he is so popular, he's so beloved. He reaches so many people, so many more than just a famous athlete. Uh, would uh, I think yes? As 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 much as he wants to get involved from a marketing standpoint, from a content standpoint, as you said, from a shoulder programming standpoint, reality show, whatever it is, uh, I think yes. I think that 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 all falls under the purview of ideal for the XFL. But Scott, enough about us speculating. Let's talk about other people speculating. Uh, you and I have been in this business for a long time. There's not many sponsorships in sports that really surprise me. I was gonna, by the way, Evan, Evan, hold on. I got to jump in me. here.
0: I got to jump in. I was going to say it isn't very often you look at me or you call me or you slack me and you're like, I'm really surprised at something. I was going exactly <laughs> where you were that this doesn't happen very often. So I wanted to jump into it right now. Sorry for interrupting, but go ahead.
1: So Wednesday afternoon, the Vegas Golden Knights announced their newest sponsor, uh, it is a partnership with uh, the official sports pick service of the of the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a company called uh, you, you Pick Trade. Scott, it's essentially a tout service. This is a company that tells people that if they pay them money, they'll give them sports betting advice and picks that if they bet, they'll make money. Uh, and we've talked a lot on this show about kind of the blurring of the line between Sports teams and sports betting operators, which I think can be, you can make an argument that's controversial in its own right. Not surprising at this point. This is a step further than any U.S. team has made in terms of partnering with the sports betting industry. And one that I think is is potentially extremely problematic to the point that I'm, I'm shocked that it happened. And I'm shocked that, that, that a Vegas team would be the team to do it.
0: Now, what was it? What did they say? It's the first NHL team to partner with a Mexican company, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's how also they touted true. it. Leaving <laughs> behind that it's a tout.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and and I'll ex, I'll explain a little bit real quick of the, the the two kind of the two things here that that concern me. First being the the messaging around tout services in general and to be honest, this one as well. If you go to this company's website right now, as we record this, they have a photo of a Golden Knights player and the headline is make money gambling on sports and in their FAQs there's a part what happens if i lose money and the answer is <laughs> losing losing days are inevitable and i'm quoting here remember that this is a long term way to make extra money uh yeah there is a responsible gaming aspect that all sports betting operators and i would argue especially given the amount that that Gary Bettman and all the commissioners and leagues Fought for so long about the integrity of their games that they have a responsibility to uphold. And partnering with companies that are telling you when you lose money in sports betting, just pump in more money because you're going to make money in the long term and, and selling this idea of getting rich betting on sports one, that's problematic. Two, I think there's a conflict of interest here that is going to be kind of a mess to unwind. How much does you pick trade as a partner of the Golden Knights know about what goalie is starting that night? Is Mark Stone healthy or not? when they're picking against the golden Knights, I see that as being potentially problematic when they're advising people to bet on the golden Knights. I also, well, they think wear the golden helmet. Yeah. There's so much in here that is, that is relative that, that needs a lot of ironing out. And I'm surprised that an NHL team would go this far.
0: I got to tell you, and these sports books, we know they don't bring in the money if they, even the penny slots, but you know, they, they, they do bring in money not penny slot money, but money. Uh, and a conversation i had a long time ago with joe maloof remember joe used to own the sacramento kings the the maloof family owned the palms casino resort in vegas uh he's now an lp in the golden knights uh he once said to me there's only one way to make money with a casino and you know that one way to own it own it yes he said (laughs) own it yeah sure so it's like what, what do i do if i lose money what happens if i lose money betting on sports you know there are odds for a reason. These casinos make money. The odds are against you. Um, I don't know. I'm not as surprised as you, because to me, it seems to be the logical next step in all of this. I, I, I'm guess, guessing that for you, it just came a lot sooner than anyone would have thought, because there are inherent more conflicts. We have the NFL owning a piece of sport radar, which provides data to the betting companies of the world. Uh, you have owners owning a piece of that company. I, I, it's just the, the the lines are blurred. The entanglements will continue, and they're only going to continue to cross-pollinate. Uh, and this this is betting. Who said it? Didn't Ted Leonsis say in, in a, the moderated thing that, that you held with him? Didn't he say something like sports betting is the new like beer and something to sports franchises? Like yeah, that's he like a new sponsor that's going to make, 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 make the big money.
1: Exactly, yeah. From a marketing standpoint, the sports betting companies are as valuable to a team as pick another category, soda, beer, alcohol, et cetera. Again, I think my, my concerns are more, this isn't just kind of proximity to sports betting. This is a a company that I would argue has a very problematic message and one that you you, you see DraftKings and FanDuel ads all the time about, you know, become a millionaire, et cetera. I, I would argue that this is significantly more problematic than even that in terms of promoting an ideal of gambling in which losing is not, and let's be honest, the reason you said casinos make money, losing is more likely than winning uh, for, for almost everybody that's betting on sports. This is a company that is selling a vision that is just not realistic.
0: I was impressed with your knowledge of Mark Stone, like outside of Marc-Andre Fleury, Le Fleur, or, <laughs> uh, or Robin Leonard. Can you name another golden knight? Uh, Alex Tuck. Okay. Yeah, All right. um, I, I, only, I only uh, asked for one. Marchessault. Yeah, I could do a quick Reeves, think, yeah. yeah, okay, good, good. <laughs> All right, you know who else is fighting, by the way? We, we started with fighting. You know who else mm-hmm. is fighting? Team USA and Puma. You know why? Puma uh, seems to be, according to Team USA, uh, violating trademarks. So uh, we're talking about value to entities. The IOC, the USOC, they guard these trademarks with their lives because it is a, a big-time bloodline. Obviously, media rights are always the number one driver of revenue. We know that. But number two and not far behind are these trademarks by, by big companies. If you look at the USOC, you've got companies like Coke, Visa, Toyota. They spent upwards of a billion dollars for top-tier rights, for the right to, to use the rings, use the logos, use it all. And Puma is getting... I, I, lay persons look at what it, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying that it looks pretty darn similar. And team USA is saying that it's going to cause confusion among consumers. Go ahead and fill in the blanks.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so team USA sued, uh, filed a complaint in Colorado court against Puma this week. Exactly what you're saying. It's a trademark trademark infringement lawsuit. Essentially. They're saying that Puma by filing trademarks that include Puma, Tokyo, 2021, Puma Beijing 2022 and Puma Paris 2024, they're arguing that they're filing trademarks that are directly referring to, that are d- d- designed to kind of deliberately infringe on these marks that, as you say, the IOC and the Olympic movement globally spends makes so much money off of and, and, and guards so, so protectively.
0: Well, let, let's say what they had, by the way. The USOC had Tokyo 2020, yep. and on the very day the games were postponed, Puma day. filed for... Puma Tokyo 2021, exactly. Yeah. Also Beijing 2022, Paris 2024. Later on, after that initial one, Puma came in for Puma Beijing 2022, Puma Paris 2024.
1: Yeah. The 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 thing I find so interesting about this, and and I'll be clear, I've I've reached out to Puma multiple times. I haven't heard anything back. I'm curious to hear what their kind of response to this lawsuit is. But Puma is not is no stranger to the Olympics. Is no stranger to the way these marks work. They've sponsored. Teams Like Jamaica and Cuba, Usain Bolt, Asafa Powell, two athletes that have been sponsored by Puma for multiple Olympics, they know this industry in and out. So this is not a mistake. This is not a, oh, we didn't realize this was going to be so close. It certainly feels like this is something kind of more... And maybe more a bigger challenge to just the idea of these marks and and, and how strictly they're uh, they're handled than than maybe just oh we we went a little too far. I mean I mean as you know Scott, every Olympics there's dozens of companies that don't have Olympic rights that figure out some kind of clever way. We see it with the Super Bowl also. They figure out some way to make allusions to the international games without stepping too close to the line. This seems very clearly like a line that is that is too close relative to what we've seen before. So my, waiting. Th- on this Puma is all, this is off
0: topic on specifically this one, but my favorite one, and and you mentioned Super Bowl. I think the company was MKTG. They they always run a campaign while they're at the Super Bowl. That's superb owl, <laughs> and it's clearly two words. So the letters are the same, but it's the superb owl. I always thought that was clever and they've always run it. So I guess I guess the NFL doesn't feel like it has a case. It doesn't feel a need to go after them. But you can always tell the, the, the level of it all by the hyperbole in the complaints. And the USO call USOC called the shocking quote, uh, willfully undercut plans to critical funding for athlete training and programs. And then my favorite, of course, declaring war on its trademarks. So the hyperbole is up there. They're ratcheting up the level. Uh, of of uh, of unease with uh, with Puma. I mean, it's nothing new. Like you said, it's nothing new. There are always trademark disputes, um, and lots of companies, by the way, especially on the ground, are going to look for ways to take advantage of the big event without having to pay the kind of dollars that Coke, Visa, Toyota,
1: and others do. Exactly. You we, we mentioned uh, Mike McCann earlier, Scott. We're, we're, our next topic is also a sports law topic. Uh, a bizarre situation unfolding right now between New York Rangers star Artemi Panarin uh, and the league and also accusations back home of of an incident in which he may or may not have assaulted someone back in 2000 uh, 2011 I think when he was playing in the KHL I'm surprised this hasn't gotten more coverage there's so much unknown here it's it's very confusing but break down exactly kind of what uh, what the takeaway is from the sports business perspective here
0: my, you're throwing this on me. Eh? You're, you're breaking down the, the throwing me break down the Artemi Panarin case. Thank you very <laughs> much, Novi Williams. I will right, no, we'll so sit here this, and let this you actually, explain. Th- this, became, this became a thing, really, when, because Panarin took a leave of absence from the team. So now you're out. Clearly, your best player. I think he finished third in MVP voting last year. This is the best player on the New York Rangers. Uh, accusations did come out that he assaulted an 18-year-old woman in Latvia. In 2011, he was in the the KHL. Now He's a critic of Vladimir Putin, by the way. Um, The accusations are coming from Panarin's former coach. So you've got a lot of entanglement here. You've got a lot of things going on. Uh, The question now is, does the NHL have the right to punish Panarin? Would they? Because he was not a member of the NHLPA at the time. We have seen, as Mike pointed out in his article, there is an example of Terrell Pryor, being disciplined by the NFL in 2011 for things that he did at Ohio State. Now, the difference there is the NFL alleged that he, this was sort of done on purpose, a violation of rules on purpose so that he wouldn't be subject to the draft. He could go into the supplemental draft. So it's a little bit different in that he, he did stand to gain something by, by the actions. Uh, but this one, yeah, uh, y- you've got sort of your global politics. You've got big-time sports, Uh, You've got a superstar. Uh, I I mean, past that, I don't know what to make of it other than the New York Rangers are playing without their best guy. And they need him on the ice.
1: And Panarin has obviously denied that any of this happened. And there's a lot of speculation that this is exactly, as you said, maybe a response to his outspokenness against uh, the the ruling party in in Russia right now a couple of years ago. He gave what for Russians from what I understand was a was a pretty monumental interview in that he spoke very critically of Putin said that he had kind of lost the ability to distinguish right and wrong thought it was was bad that a lot of russians treated their president as a as as a superhuman of sorts certainly a, a big difference from the way that a lot of other russian NHL superstars like Alex Ovechkin and Ilya Kovalchuk have spoken about about their home country and the politics uh going on there but but yeah certainly a a, a situation that we're going to learn more about i know there's an investigation going but certainly a bizarre one and one that has potentially a lot of ramifications for a lot of people moving forward
0: all right let's close but with with tiger woods because he's still uh across twitter uh, across all the news outlets i mean how fast did the news of tiger's car crash just spread around the world in minutes and you know it became you know the trending and everybody's talking about it leads newcasts it's it's above the fold on major papers and even papers that aren't like known for just straight up sports coverage. Um, So what we know at the moment, you know, tiger had surgery had the rods put in his leg. Um, Clearly a serious accident. He wasn't playing before he was talking about trying to get back for the masters. Obviously he will not be playing at, at Augusta. We've been looking at this, this issue of how does golf move past tiger for a while, right? Tiger was still the man, even when he wasn't winning. Um, it just sort of assessed for me. I mean, this is really a smack in the face of like this reality of like Tiger's not going to be around on the golf course forever. And what, what is the overall health of the game from a television perspective? Um, embracing sports betting there, too. I think, I think that golf, perhaps more than any other sport, believe it or not, I know that's not a, just a, a, a light comment. It is tailor-made for betting all over the course. The, the algorithms are spinning with every shot going on around the course, recalculated odds, who can win? Will he sink the putt? Will he par this hole? Will he hit, hit in the woods? Will he, you know, uh, I think golf can really capture younger audience, second-screen experience, and betting, but they've got to let me on the course with phones. I don't think that'll happen at Augusta, but they're going <laughs> to have to let me on the course with a phone, right? H- how do you see it?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's, it's certainly a... First of all, caveat obviously. We, we best of luck for Tiger and his family on his recovery. The it does put golf in a weird position. I don't think that this. I don't know if go, Tiger will ever play again. Obviously. I don't think that the the golf world and the golf media world is, is anywhere close to being done with Tiger. I think he will continue as he rehabs, as he gets healthy to be kind of a critical part of the of the global golf narrative. But you're right. And, and whether this is the end of, of him playing on the PGA Tour or if that happens in five or ten years, there's going to be golf past Tiger Woods. And th- there was a whole class of young stars that were really highly touted a number of years ago. Uh, we're kind of in a new set of, of very compelling, I would say, uh, guys at the top of the leaderboard. And I would put Bryson DeChambeau top of that list. I think Brooks Koepka also fits into that bucket. Uh, but you're right that golf needs to widen its audience and, you know, alternative forms of media and sports betting are certainly going to be two ways to do that. But I, I would know, I would certainly not. And looking at, you know, the, the way that his career has kind of ebbed and flowed through, Success on, on the course and, and problems off it, including, I believe, at this point, a dozen surgeries on his back and legs. Um, I, I would not rule Tiger out as being kind of a critical part of the golf narrative moving forward as well.
0: How old is Tiger's son? I'm seeing him play with his dad, maybe it, it's not going to be long before we see the, uh, the younger Tiger on the tour. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that point. Maybe, maybe Tiger will be I on mean, the bag in the future. Believe me, I do not mean to put the pressure on the kid. I'm just, it, it, it was a, a hyperbolic way of saying. It was really impressive to watch him out there swing a club with his dad. He's really good. All right. This is the Sporticast. He is Novi Williams. You get him on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Sashnik. You can get me at Sashnik on Twitter. Uh, this is the focal point of what will be the Sportico podcast now.